2: We're delighted to have partnered with NordVPN again for this season. We partnered with them last year, and they are, of course, a supporter of Rangers FC as an official sponsor there. And best of all, we can give you an exclusive NordVPN deal. If you go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart hand, you will get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and one additional month for free, completely risk-free. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee with Nord. And look, I use this product. I would highly recommend it. I used to work in web, so I know how easy it is to steal people's data, especially if you're using a a Wi-Fi system that that is a shared one or you're using uh, 4 or 5G, then your details can be out there. With NordVPN, they're absolutely not. And there are other advantages to it as well. Um, You can watch sporting events that maybe aren't being shown in your region. Um, You can purchase flights from different virtual locations, and they do make your flights cheaper. This is very, very useful. What a price is in the UK isn't the same as what a price is in America or a price is on the continent. Um, NordVPN can save you money. Um, You can buy purchasing subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price uh, and you protect your data while traveling and using public Wi Fi. I keep coming back to that. Anyone who's at the hassle of a cancelled card will know what I'm talking about. So all you need to do is go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand and you'll get a huge discount off your plan and one month. Additional free, completely risk free. I urge you to do it. and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name's David Edgar, I am your host as always and I'm joined this week by two fine upstanding members of the Rangers community. First of all it is the wonderfully voiced Caroline Morrison.
1: Hi David, thank you very much for inviting me on.
2: And uh, joining is the equally lovely voiced but in a different way Colin McMillan.
0: Yeah in a different way indeed but yeah thank you David, pleasure to be here.
2: Well, guys, uh, the game yesterday, Rangers won. That's about it. Does anyone have any long jokes?
0: End of the podcast. That'll do us (laughs) first. Five (laughs) minutes to
2: get through and we're going to... No, it didn't, I think it's fair to say, answer any questions. The vital thing, of course, Caroline, is three points, right? We get that. Coming off a horrendous result, a horrendous week, because the mood was just awful after it. We've got a lot of injuries. We know that. It was vital that we kept in touch at the top of the table, but it, it it was a tough old watch.
1: It was. It's very much a three points and home type performance. And pre-match, that's all any of us wanted, I think. We maybe hoped for a decent performance and something to kind of bring back the feel-good factor after a difficult watch on the Wednesday night. But most importantly, just for a bit of stability and just so things weren't entirely bleak, just getting the three points was important. Um, the first half, I was at for part. The first half, as I'm sure everyone saw that, that watched the full game, was extremely difficult to watch, frustrating to watch, um, and obviously a, a nervy final few minutes of the game where uh, we we kind of needlessly put ourselves in a, a bit of a uncomfortable position. So yeah, at the end of the day, just having three points and uh, back. Glasgow is the most important thing
2: I'm a great believer that the away fans at any club but particularly ours are the bellwether and I think it's them because I think we always get people who um, maybe watch from home and I think you get a bit frustrated when you do that and you know there's a lot of us who you know, maybe go to the Ibrox and the Ibrox crowd can as we know legendarily be quick to get on players but the away support I think are very much the hardcore and and I always think are are the best judge of how the support feels. What was the atmosphere like yesterday? Because I've spoken to a few fans who said it wasn't as noisy as normal, although I always put a lot of that down to 12 o'clock on a Sunday, I think is a horrendous kick-off time.
1: It is, and don't get me wrong, there were frustrations, you know, mostly at the performance. Um, There were a few boos at half-time, I'm not going to lie. You know, people were clearly frustrated, but you're right, I don't think to the extent... Um, that you'd maybe expect were at home game, um, and of course at that smaller away ground, the Union Bears and the fantastic noise that they make and the support they give for the full ninety minutes is a greater percentage of the overall away support or uh, Ranger support, I should say. So it maybe that's maybe another reason why you don't feel it so much compared to at Ibrox but it was nervy. There's no getting away from that.
2: Yeah, I mean, let's face it, after a 7-1, it was unlikely that everybody was going to be cartwheeling into Fur Park and, you know, ready to go. Uh, it's understandable, so I think those those factors combine. Colin, we'll get into the game in a moment, but before we do, that's coming up for a year now that Giovanni Van Bronckhorst has been in charge of Rangers. And while I will absolutely accept we've got injuries just now, correct, no doubt about it, I don't really know what it is we do um, other than... We've got a kind of fairly straightforward shape that can sometimes change to five, and we try to get the ball to our good players and hope they do something. It, it, I can't really tell you, or oh, this is our style of play, this is our system, this is what we do.
0: No, I don't think anyone can. Uh, I think we we grind out results most of the time, um, apart from when we go to Parkhead, sadly, and um, we get the occasional three or four nil. We look great, but we don't tend to do that very often and run many matches in a row. Um, There has been many, many injuries. He's had a, a huge amount, a number of players. I think it was six or seven players he's had out for three months at a time, if you look at it from his starts, which is a, a huge amount for any club, particularly ours, particularly in the areas that those guys have came in and been injured in. So he's not had those sort of issues or problems to seek either. He probably hasn't, David, been as supported in two transfer windows, as I think we would all like him to have been, particularly in the most recent one, where there probably was money to be spent or money that could be calculated and used, um, dice is rolled, so to speak. So he's had that as well. But even if you put all that aside and you just look at it from a tactics point of view, from what the players he's got and what they're trying to do, it is very hard to pick out a decisive game plan. We, we change about the defence fairly often. Sometimes we're three at the back, sometimes we're five at the back. Um, there's not really any real consistency in midfield in terms of the personnel. I think um, Ryan Kent and John Lundstrom are the kind of ever presence. Other than that, it's another two from four, five or six options. And then up front this season, he's been doing the the combo with Cholak and Morelos, more often than not Cholak, but Morelos for some games as well. There just doesn't seem to be a set 11. There doesn't even seem to be a set maybe 13 or 14 regular faces. And the football doesn't really look like football that I would expect to see Giovanni Van Bronckers doing after a year kind of on the training ground. I think we all expect a little bit more and just a little bit more of an identity on the team and it's it's not there yet.
2: Yeah, there are there are things that you can have a go at a manager for. And I don't think injuries um are one. clearly you I think that injuries are especially the type of injuries we get, like goals and goes in a game, Lawrence in a game, you know it's more that. It's more, okay, you know, I accept that the team might drop levels because the players coming in and aren't as good. I get that, but I still can't see an overall pattern. Kaz, to, to, to go back to the game, Rangers, I thought, started reasonably well. A couple of early chances for Tillman, and then nothing. And I mean, nothing happened in that football match for 35 minutes. If you want an arbiter of that, or you want a totem of that, Rangers uh, Twitter, which does commentary you know when all the incidents the match uh, had four tweets during the first half yesterday um, because it was a game just absolutely devoid of of incident really Rangers had a lot of the ball you'd expect Motherwell who also had their injuries folks don't don't forget that they, they were pretty much down the bare bones themselves and they were happy to sit back see if they could venture forward they couldn't because I think in all fairness, we're going to criticise some of the Rangers' performance yesterday. In all fairness, the defence was was pretty solid. But it was just strange. I mean, it wasn't like you could say, oh, this is an awful low-quality game in terms of people giving the ball away or misplaced passes or loads of tackles going in. It wasn't like that. It was just very little happened. It was just so anodyne.
1: Yeah, and and to touch on that Motherwell point, a kind of friend of a friend is a Motherwell fan And they fully expected us to go there and um, dominate, wipe the floor with them in terms of a scoreline as well, because they did have a couple of real young rookie players. They were nervous about it. Um, And we just weren't in a position to capitalise. We were extremely negative um, as we've been at, at points this year, but in particular in that first half yesterday, and almost zero creativity. And I can understand maybe after Wednesday, um, being a little nervous, the players, perhaps a little tired. However, you know, against this opposition domestically, we should be playing with a a little bit more of a bounce. And it was frustrating to watch, especially, for example, and I don't need to pick on any players in particular, because I don't think anyone really had a a good first half in particular. But, you know, Kent, as an example, extremely negative and, and kind of not always picking the best options So maybe two or three times in the first half, I thought maybe born out on the overlap with a good run was a good option, but Kent maybe cutting inside and um, losing possession once or twice was a frustrating watch. And that was kind of happening all over the pitch, just poor decision-making, lack of confidence, and that very negative safe ball rather than trying to, to get something to happen.
2: I think Kent's playing inside his head at the moment. And I know we as football fans tend to say we look for an explanation that Makes more sense. So it's contract, he's not interested. I don't think that's the case with Ryan Kent. Uh, I think that there might be other players in the squad that, that maybe aren't quite as focused. But he's always there. He's always you know available. He's a good trainer, all of that kind of stuff. But uh, he's quite clearly over. He knows that he's not delivering. And you're right, he's, he's making bad decisions because I don't think he's playing with any freedom um, at the moment. I think he's an absolute prisoner of his own thoughts right now and that means that he's he's not doing things naturally he's not playing off the cuff he's not just going out there and and seeing what it takes him and instead everything's overthought so that's when you do start the the turning and when you should be just playing the ball and it's everything seems a slog for him at the moment and and you're absolutely right there and Colin Caroline Caroline mentions Barisic and uh, I'm interested in this because I think there's a strange dichotomy at the moment going on about Borna Barisic, that there is, by common consent, people saying he's certainly not been the worst this year. And that's probably about as high praise as you get with this current Rangers team. But um, equally, it's quite clear that the fans now have a thing about his his negative passing. And a big part of that, I think, is confidence. Equally, it means that it becomes noticeable that fans, you know, he'll turn and play the ball back and and the fans react darkly to it. Uh, And I thought that was quite telling yesterday. There were a few times there were simple passes forward on and he turned around and played the safety first ball. And I get it because you don't want to make mistakes and you don't want to be the guy that's costing your team any goals. But the fans have, have zeroed in on it now and it's something that you'll need to address because... As we know, rightly or wrongly, Yilmaz in the background, fans are saying, well, we've got this guy that we paid this money for, why aren't we seeing him? And I can see this continuing, you know, he saw it against Liverpool and you saw it at the weekend against Motherwell. And to be fair, he does he does do it. He is very much in safety
0: first mode. Yeah, he absolutely is, David. And um, he's got the most ironic song in football. He comes and goes and you can do that with his form. You can do that with his attitude. You can do that sometimes with his bravery as well. He he's he's a guy that I think has the he, he's got some battle scars he's got some wounds I think over the years at Rangers he's had some highs and he's had some lows but I think he's a guy that the lows get to and you see that quite often in a match where there might there might be a couple of options but he'll pick the safe one because the last thing he wants is empty on his back or to make the mistake there's there's a lot of that in the teams and there's a lot of that at the weekend you're you're looking for a hero somebody that's going to step forward and do something and what we had was a lot of guys that didn't want to be the zero rather than be the hero. And I think that happens to Borna a lot. And he does now have competition, which at the start of the season we thought was doing really good for him. It was spurring him on. He was getting a number of assists and playing relatively well. Relatively well compared to the rest of the team, because it's been a season so far with not a lot of major standout players. So he's he's not like... um, one of five, six, seven players and he's excelling more than most of them he's, he's just doing alright and doing what he should be doing but we've got this young guy who's going to offer us potentially something very different Borna, overlap brilliant crosser of the ball that's what he does for us I think Yilmaz has got a very different skill set he's much more of a passer he picks out through balls he chips balls in he doesn't have to get to the byline before he becomes effective and it's something I'm very keen to see and it's something I'm very surprised we've not seen more of I get at the start of the season when the stakes were so high, you probably don't want to put a a new young guy in who doesn't speak the language and try and get him into defence, which is trying to get through the qualifying rounds of Europe. I totally get that. But the very, very little game time he's had does surprise me because when he's played, I think he's looked pretty good. A little cameo last week, some of the through balls and passes he was pinging about I thought looked great. And Borna has on a couple of occasions done enough to think, what, Merrick coming out of the team and trying this guy? So it's going to be interesting to see how he does on Wednesday eh, because I imagine Yilmaz will play Wednesday. I don't know exactly how much you learn from a a cup game against Dundee when you're going to be playing against much lower calibre of opposition. You're going to be playing in a team and in a defence that will never play together again. Wednesday's not going to tell us whether Yilmaz is the answer or not. I think he needs to get a little bit more time and I think Barisic has to maybe just take a little bit of a step back and it's it's Elmaz's time to show us what he can do. And if Elmaz isn't the answer, there'll be a clamour for Borna to come back in and that will solve that problem in its own way as well. So yeah, for me, Borna is not quite what we need at the moment at left-back, especially when Tav isn't quite on form either. Um, You can maybe, Borna's form probably okay if we were super smashing down the right-hand side and Tav was getting all his usual assists, but that's not happening at the minute and we're more reliant on the left-hand side. We saw that yesterday all the play pretty much went down that left-hand side particularly in the first half and if Borner's not on it and he's turning back and making the passing the ball back the way rather than forwards we're going to struggle to, make, to get in positions to score goals
2: It's uh, the old Woody and Buzz thing again there um, that you know we haven't seen much of Yelmaz so we can project our hopes onto him that he might be better and until it's proven that he isn't then fans are going to continue to do it it's natural it happens with every new signing it happens at every club Caroline, uh, Colin mentioned there uh, it was noticeable. I think that we played a lot down the left yesterday. We traditionally play down the right. It's quite apparent that Tav is carrying an injury and playing through pain. We saw the the footage before the match of him wincing in the in the warm up, and it, it, it's heroic that he's doing it, but it, it has severely affected his dynamism, and his dynamism is such a strength of his.
1: It is, it was uncomfortable to watch actually that grimace on his face um, just warming up and you, you really then think about what strain he's putting on himself during 90 minutes and then the relentless schedule of games that we ask him to play as well on top of that. Um, he's completely central to how, how we play and as our captain, our leader, the the prospect of him being out of the team for any length of time isn't one that, that fills you with much um, joy especially where we've got quite a quite a junior deputy for Tav. Um, Divine looks good from what we've seen but he's very raw and he's very young absolutely a talent for the future but the prospect of him maybe coming in for a number of games would, would make me nervous so it's a real difficult one. I know that we've only got you know a few games left now until the World Cup and they look on paper to be some of an easier run of fixtures.
2: The kinder ones.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it's a little bit kinder. Um but it, the last thing we want is to do something that could cause long-term damage to Tav because we need to make sure that for the um kind of business end of the season when we come back after the World Cup break, we've got um a really strong fit squad to to challenge for the title. We're going to be out of Europe. It's essential that we are in the title race to the to the very end
2: so you haven't uh, uh you, you don't believe we're going to beat Napoli and, and Ajax and go through in third
1: I'm an optimist but not, not quite I've, I've let that <laughs> exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah I
2: think yeah no I'm <laughs> an optimist but uh, I'm not uh crazy do you know uh, what, all uh, I'm hoping uh...
1: for David, is just at least a point so that we're lovely. not the worst yeah, I mean, the worst uh, yeah. ever group stage performance that would be lovely
2: yeah, I would, I would certainly take that if it was offered right now. Um, <laughs> that's that's for next week, sadly. But uh, yeah, I I think it is noticeable, Colin. Uh, and noticeable yesterday to me was Scott Arfield' third game in a week. He physically can't do it, and you can yeah, see that it's... yesterday. It was just that half yard off everything. Again, heroic effort, but it, 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 that's that's kind of where we were, we are at the moment in terms of injuries and an aging midfield.
0: That's it, yeah. Scott Arfield, let's let's not criticise Scott Arfield at all because he's come in and done a job for us under Giovanni Van Bronkerst. He almost came out from the cold, came in from the cold really under Gio, started playing a lot more often than he had towards the end of Gerrard's reign and he scored some goals, he, he's made some big impacts and done well. But it doesn't matter how good Scott Arfield's playing or what his form is like, he cannot play three games in a week. He'll struggle to play two full games in a week, David, so it's a real kind of... Indicator as to where we are at the moment With this squad in terms of injuries And towards how we've done in previous uh, previous Transfer windows That we're having to play Scott Arfield three times in a row It's It shouldn't be happening And it's something that needs addressed It needs addressed quickly um, I'm sure you're going to mention the upcoming transfer window at some point But that area that Scott Arfield plays in Is an area we need to strengthen
2: Yeah I mean it, it, we need midfielders And who can come in And uh, come in and play It really is that simple uh right let's get you know to the good parts because I think we've had. I don't think we've been too negative I don't think there's a lot to write home about but one thing that certainly was Caroline Was the goal um, that Malik Tillman scored and it was out of absolutely nowhere in terms of the game now Motherwell's defending was awful, Um, nobody goes in and tackles him, nobody even has a sense to haul him down, but that's not our problem, and you can only look at what the player himself did, what impressed me about it was the determination, the single-mindedness, the not looking for the easy ball, and then finally, a lot of times you see when a player gets there after a 40-50 yard run, that even the, the top guys, even when you're watching Match of the Day or whatever, The finish doesn't match it because they've had the physical exertion of the 40, 50-yard run, or they've overthought it by the time they get there. He didn't do that. He kept calm, and it really, truly was a beautiful goal.
1: It really was, yeah. And I've seen a lot of debate online about whether or not you would class that as a fantastic Rangers goal or whether or not it was really poor defending from Motherwell. And I think it can be both things, but certainly from our perspective – it was kind of his pace, his determination. That close control of the ball made it really difficult for any Motherwell defender to get a good tackle in without um, you know, picking up a booking or, you know, injuring the player. So I think we made it difficult for them to, to get an easy option and his kind of determination, the fact that he continued, like you say, didn't take an easy option and placed the ball beautifully into the back of the net at that point. We needed a little bolt of inspiration and he stepped up completely. Uh it was hard to see where a goal was coming from for for a minute or two. Um, but yeah, individual brilliance. We need to see more of that from Tillman. Like when he first arrived collectively as a support, we all spoke about let's pay the money now, let's make this official, get him as, as one of our players sooner rather than later. And he's he he kind of fell off the radar a little bit. He struggled in <clears throat> a few games and I'd love to think that this is him starting to pick up a bit of form again because we're really going to need as much support in that midfield area as possible.
2: Yeah, definitely. And and on that, on the, the, the kind of good start followed by the drop column, because we've been scarred with low knees before, we've seen this before, they arrive, they look great and then there's nothing. That I think there's always that concern that that was going to happen. Whereas maybe it's more a case of, look, that's a 19-year-old who hasn't played a lot of first-team football in his career. This happens with teenagers. They do go up and down initially as they strive for consistency. And it's about... Not playing him in the right where he's not effective. He just doesn't effective. I think we've enough evidence for that. Putting him in those positions and then telling him go and do that, go and play your game, go and create something. And we should have enough certainly behind us to to be able to do that and let him go and play. I know he's got that sort of language style that means that fans will sometimes go, oh, he's not trying. I don't think that's the case at all. I think it's more just a case that he, he's one of these players who he doesn't, you know, he's not Daniel Canades. He doesn't run about a hundred miles an hour. But it's about focusing on what he can do rather than worrying about what he can't accepting some games won't be his games and you know that's hopefully when we get tom lawrence back and even further down the line had you that you'll be able to make those changes but right now it's a case of saying look go out there and play do your that. try things and if they don't come off they don't come off but keep trying because eventually one of them will
0: yeah listen he's undoubtedly a talent david you don't get minutes at bayern munich unless you're absolutely a got something about you so he's clearly had that to have done that prior to this loan spill he's also not just a typical loan and what I mean by that is we do have an option to buy him so it's not just a case of one of these guys that he's, he's alone he's not going to make good he'll be away in the summer if this guy impresses and does well we've got a pretty decent fee agreed that we can bring him on and have him full time um, he is only 19 as you say he's not played a lot of football he has been put out on the right hand side a few times which isn't his position hasn't done him any favours whatsoever and that's coincided with his worst games, really. So it's it's hard to blame him for not performing to the best he can at the age of 19 and getting shifted out to the right where he's not comfortable. He has frozen and not performed as well in a couple of big matches, I'm thinking in the Champions League and at Parkhead. Yep. Again, though, he's 19. He's not played a lot of games. I can kind of understand that, and I'm hoping that those experiences are going to let him build from that now. He's experienced those sort of cauldrons. He's experienced those atmospheres. Hopefully the next time we put him in, he's that little bit better. But he does have the skills, he's got the ability. He, he can do things that very few players in our team can do, David, and we've seen that already, and he's short spell with us. So he's the kind of guy that I think you play and you use, and you try and bring it out of him. And he's, he's definitely got the skills to do that. And he plays in a position where we've not got lots and lots of talent or lots of people knocking at the door that can play that number 10 role and can unlock defences, can do what he did at the weekend. He does have it all in his locker, so to speak. So he's a guy I think you persevere with, you try and get behind and you give him every opportunity to be a success.
2: It's that time of the show where I talk to you about balls, and not the round ones that our players are kicked towards the goal, but the two dangly ones that you keep in your trousers. Because if you are interested in having bald testicles, then there's only one place to go, and that's manscaped.com. Manscaped are the market leaders for all of you disgusting people who like to walk about with no pubic hair. I think this is a modern affectation, but hey... But well, not mine, ads. If you want to walk about with uh, a couple of uh, Phil Mitchells in your downstairs, that's quite all right by me. And I'll even help you with twenty percent off and free shipping if you go to Manscape.com. That's just, just enter the code Rangers. That's all you need to do. Go to Manscape.com, enter the code Rangers, and they will send you out this lovely package of stuff. And it is a lovely package of stuff, by the way, that you get from them. And it is tremendously effective at shaving body hair in general because I've done my shoulders with it. Yes, I have hairy shoulders. I'm from Ayrshire. But uh, you get loads of stuff with it as well. You get ball deodorant, you get spray, you get a t-shirt, and you get very comfortable boxer shorts. You can also go for their nose trimmer, which is excellent. And trust me, nobody likes hairy noses. I didn't think people liked hairless balls, but yet here we are. Manscaped.com, 20% off and free shipping. Use the code Rangers. We got the second uh, from a set piece, hallelujah. Not something we've had a lot of joy from at either end recently, but uh, John Lundstrom getting on the end of a Bonner delivery. He uh, took a deflection, but still went in. Um, There was a a controversial decision that not much has been made of, which is Mugabe handles the ball. Uh, Rangers don't even get the free kick. Where uh, If you actually look at it, the Rangers player is away. If he doesn't handle it, not only was it a free kick, I, I thought it was a red card.
1: Yeah, there were a few shouts for that from the stands, actually. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to watch the game back, but I know you did, David, so you've probably seen a much better view of it than I have. But definitely from the stand, a lot of people were really um, screaming for for that. Um, I thought the referee's performance yesterday was inconsistent at best. I I think it was well, well into the second half that they picked up their first booking, and I thought they could have easily had one or two before that. Um, Whereas... You know, conversely, I thought he was very quick to book Arfield um, when it was his kind of first offence. Perhaps that's blue-tinted spectacles, but I did think the referee was inconsistent yesterday at best.
2: There was a yellow card tackle from Motherwell in the first minute um, that he didn't yeah. give because it was the first minute. I mean, it's a Stonewall yellow card, and that's something that we, we get in Scotland. And, of course, that, that VAR is here now from, from next weekend. So, my goodness, with Ian Maxwell at the SFA telling us it's going to be a disaster for the first three months. So, we've got that to look forward to, folks. But, uh, yeah, moving on then to the Motherwell goal. Now, Rangers, Colin, you mentioned total cruise control, 2-0 up. Um, I actually expected us to go on and add another couple. And we lapsed into giving away stupid free kicks, bugbear of mine, a team like Motherwell, with all due respect to them, their best chance of scoring against you will be set pieces, right? They will look for set pieces um, to deliver it, cause a bit of chaos, and who knows, a ball drops in the box, et cetera. And it was quite clear also that the youngster, mcintyre has pretty good delivery, I felt. And we just kept giving away these stupid free kicks. Just stay in your feet, make them play. He overhits it, um, no doubt about that. Most of the time, they just go past the post. This one goes in. Now, again, a bit of debate among us, uh, among the listeners, among people on social media about McGregor. Um, Now, there are a few factors and I want to be fair here. One, it's a fluke. You're not expecting it um, and it very rarely would happen. Two, the the sun was low. uh, That winter sun, that Scottish winter sun, maybe slightly unsighted, although again, stick a hat on. Um, But for me, I do think he might have done better with it because he takes a step, so he's out of position. Whereas if he stays where he is, he, I think he he can get back and tip that over. Am I being too harsh?
0: No, I don't think you are being too harsh. Um, first and foremost, it was an absolute fluke of a goal. Um, I don't want to become all over, I come all over modern and tactical here, but apparently it was a 0.04 XG chance of a goal from that free kick. So that tells you how unlikely it is that you are going to score from a free kick from that position, and yet he still did it. Um, He did take the step forward, McGregor. Had he not done that, he's probably in a better position to get back, and I don't think he catches it, but I think he's got the ability to then at least get his fingers to it, David, and either top just pop it over the bar or do something like that with it. Um, So it's a freak goal, and you are going to lose goals like that from time to time, which you just can do nothing about. But if you want to be critical, yes, I think he probably could have done some more about it. Um, it's I think that's just what we've got with Alan McGregor these days though he is a guy now at his age where he isn't going to be as sharp he's not, probably not going to be as quick as he as he once was I think we're seeing that more and more with his decision making almost at least once a game now you're seeing him going to catch ball, stop, and going back on himself it's happened a couple of times recently because he's Alan McGregor, he'll still go to Anfield and he'll still save seven or eight fantastic shots and make seven or eight fantastic saves He's capable of that still, but these mistakes are starting to creep into his game. We saw it last season and we're seeing it again now. It's potentially just an age thing and not being as agile and as mobile as he once was. And it's something we're probably going to have to address come the end of the season because I think this, some people thought this was a season too far. I think he's done enough to show that he's still got stuff in his locker that can benefit us. But long term, I think this has to be it now. And we we need a couple of new goalkeepers next season.
2: That's my concern, Caroline. That we will get these tremendous performances and these breathtaking saves because he can still do that. But the mistakes, as Colin said, are beginning to to creep in, unfortunately. But we're in a a kind of tricky situation with goalkeepers because you've got McGregor, um, who's who's in, and as we say, you know, a couple of issues there. Not, as I say, disastrous, but. Again, and I'm maybe being a bit unfair because of age, as Colin says, very rarely do do you tend to kind of go downhill and then come back up. You tend to keep going uh, at that age. Um, John McLaughlin, a capable number two, but has been tried in the first team, didn't grab his place and I think looks a bit short of confidence. And then Robbie McCrory, who the manager just doesn't seem to fancy, uh, as Colin says, is the only way out of this now that we need to be looking long-term at buying a new goalkeeper or could we salvage something out of the three of those?
1: Yeah, I think so. And, and to touch on Colin's earlier point, I don't know if this is picked up on the TV, but for that goal, um, Motherwell's goal yesterday, Gio was screaming at the wall, shouting instructions that they weren't seeming to pick up. So his frustration when the goal went in <laughs> was, was um, really apparent. So I, I'm not quite sure if there was a bit of a miscommunication there, but you know, as you quite rightly said, I think McGregor, difficult circumstances, but I thought he could have done a little bit better myself. Um, the goalkeeping conundrum is a difficult one because I, I'm not comfortable with McLaughlin as our, our number one regular keeper. Um, and I'd love to think that McCrory is going to progress on and be someone that we've nurtured and will be a kind of keeper for us for, for many years to come. But like you say, something doesn't seem to to, to click. Gio and, and team don't seem to have confidence in him. And it's hard to know what their plans are because with us giving that contract extension to McCrory, is that with a view that potentially McLaughlin could move on in in January or perhaps at the end of the season and he will be, you know, potentially the the keeper we'd look to to be a regular number one or or certainly a a number two to someone else that we might come in or challenge for that number one spot? Or is it really to kind of protect ourselves financially if we know that he's not going to be someone... Uh, for the long term that, that's going to be in with the shout, you know, at least we'll get some money for him, which makes sense. We've been asking kind of Ross Wilson and the board to to make sure that we've got players um, on sensible contracts. So, you know, in either scenario, we're protected. It's really hard to know what, what Gio and team want as the outcome here, but my hunch would be, I think McLaughlin will probably move on. Uh, I don't think he'd probably want to, for the last of his career, continue to be just a, a cupkeeper occasionally. And I think also for McCrory, it's fair that he should move on um, at the age he's at now and and get the best chance of of playing football regularly. So to Colin's point, I think that that leaves you with the option of we really need to be scouting and recruiting a a great keeper. We've not spent money, a lot of money on a keeper for a long time. So I think um, the next window or the one after that will be the time.
2: Yeah, we certainly do need to look at it long term. and. Yeah, I think Wednesday will tell us a little bit about where the goalkeepers are, depending on who comes in. I don't think McGregor will play. I think we we all accept that. And it'll be interesting to see who does come into the side at that point. Right, Colin, we got the victory. um, But as I say, it probably didn't assuage anyone's concerns about where this team are and, and where it's likely to go over the next few months. Is it now just a case of getting those victories, just getting the victories right up, getting some players back in, um, resetting, I mean, it's a four-week break, so getting some some energy back in the legs and setting ourselves up for a, a go in the second half of the season?
0: Uh, for me, yeah, that's that's exactly what it has to be. Um, I would love to see that I want to see them get out, scoring three, four goals every single game. Brilliant performances, great joy going to the football and watching it. I'm going to take a side, side seat to that just now and just get the three points and keep us in this title race until the World Cup comes along. We've got too many players out injured in too many key areas just now. And um, we've we've got the amount of players we've got coming back after this World Cup. It'll be like a, an extra transfer window before the other one. Um, We just need to get to that stage, uh, get these players a rest when when we can and um, start January, start December, I should say, strong at the end of the World Cup, maybe mid-December. For me, um, I'd be looking at the European games as well. I know we mentioned it earlier, but I'd be looking at these two remaining European games and using the squad in them. Um, it's not realistic. We could get to...
2: absolutely annihilated if we do that though, and that's not. We good
0: for We could. That's that's the that's the Tav issue. Go back to Tav. You take Tav out and you bring Divine in, and he could be a. It could be Gary Bolon against Juventus sort of thing, couldn't it? Mm. It's just it's or Alex Cleland. I think it might have been a bigger pardon, but that's. It's something that manager has to think about. It's too potentially, and I hate to say this. It's the Champions League. is something we've waited ten years for, David, and it's got here. And it's like the Christmas present yeah, we you can't wait for, year for. And you don't want it. It didn't come with the batteries or something. It's awful. <laughs> um But yeah, it's it's two matches that are the, by far the least important matches we've got between now and the end of this um, the, the end of this year calendar year. As these two Champions League games, where possible, rest some players be clever with the the selections and just get us through to this um, break uh, within touching distance of this title, which we very much still are.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, I don't think anybody has suggested at all that we've been playing particularly well this season. We've had moments, you know, I thought we were good against Hearts. I thought we were good against St Mirren. But we are very much still in touch at the top of the table um, in a pretty decent position so far, Caroline. And and I think that maybe is the frustration among the fans because you just keep thinking, right, if you do click, if you do start playing, if you do play the way we know that Kent and Lundstrom and Tav, although albeit there are issues there that we've mentioned, but if these guys start delivering at the level we know and we get in guys like Lawrence and Ruth, et cetera, it, it is on. It's all on for us.
1: It is, and I find it really difficult at the moment because I think um, lots, lots of aspects of Rangers, the way we play, the, the players, you know, can come on, come in for some just criticism. Where I think things will end up is, is difficult to um, to guess. For example, with with some of the players, we do see you know lots of injury prone players making putting a run together of, of a squad of players difficult. We've also seen, like Colin said, just a really unexpected number of injuries that you can't account for, meaning that the kind of rotation of players, particularly in that midfield, is just so difficult. Maybe that's part of the reason that it's hard to see an identity from Gio about how he wants to play and the style of football he wants to implement. Um, and I'd like to give him the benefit of the doubt. However, as with any manager at any team, particularly Rangers, you you only have a short window to impress yourself upon upon fans in particular because we'll be the ones that will back you or demand that that you're sent packing so it's a difficult one we we are still very much in the title race that's the important thing that you know at the start of the season when we got into the Champions League group stages it was very much this is to bulk up the bank balance that's the the whole aim of getting there I don't think that anyone had realistic expectations of getting be, you know out of this group stage if anything we thought third place would be some achievement in this particular group of death so the the hidings haven't been fun but realistically this was never going to be something where we'd see um, you know success what we do have to expect from the team is success on the the domestic front we need to be involved on all fronts cup cup competitions as well but more importantly uh, yeah we need to be in the title race this kind of drop off after kind of new year that we've seen just can't happen. But more importantly for us before then, yeah, like Colin says, just getting those victories uh, before we break for the World Cup means that we are still in it. And we've seen that across the city as well. Celtic at the start of the season had a very strong run. They've themselves had some injury issues and we've seen that where they've had to rotate in their own squad, it's exposed some frailty. So we should very much still... Um, be expecting to challenge for this title?
2: Yeah, where I find myself, calling increasingly, and, and this concerns me, and I think it is replicated among the wider range of support, is that because there's not quite that belief in what we're watching, that although, you know, we are picking up wins, and we've just mentioned the league position is a good position, there's a kind of sense I, I sometimes feel myself thinking, aye, but something will come along that will be negative and then, you know, that it'll all explode again. I, I don't really know how you change that mood other than with victories.
0: That's what it's going to take. The, the, the team does have a, an element of trust to build back up from the supporters. There's there's some players in this team that can do no wrong. Guys like Cholak have just been fantastic. He's been a great side in. His goal scoring's been wonderful. Everybody's fully behind him. Nobody's got a bad word to say about him. But pretty much every other area of the team can improve and they have, in ways, let us down in various games this season. We think at par, If you think about Parkhead and then you think about these four Champions League games so far, that's why people are down, David. That's why the the fae for the confidence isn't there because we've been beat 4-0, 3-0, 2-0 and 7-1 in the Champions League within about six weeks. That's a run of results that we don't expect at any time, never mind, in that short period of time. So that's why people forget, I think, that actually if you just look at it domestically and you look at the, the league campaign, we are actually very much still in it. But it's, it's really the, the difference so far is the old fun game. And I, I don't care what anyone says. I, I, I don't think Rangers really expect to win the matches at Parkhead. I don't think they expect to win the matches at Ibrox. So the it's players, kind of win mean. as it would go. Yeah, players. Um, I, I don't think... I, I think which, that's is, kind of, which is a hit. <sighs> horrendous thing. Yeah, but I think that's just how it goes. So I think... We've got a good opportunity to get back in it with the game at Ibrook's at the start of January, but we we just need to get through this this year. I'd love to see some sort of resemblance of a team plan like you spoke about at the start and it looked like we're all doing the same thing rather than just hoping for the best because at the minute I sometimes feel our attacking play in particular is just hope for the best. It's get the ball to Kent and see what he can do. And at the minute, Kent can't do a lot. And I feel for him because the pressure's all on him as the playmaker and at the minute he's the only one that seems to be capable of it and when he's not doing it, it's just not happening. So yeah, for me, the confidence is down from the fans but it's down because of the results we've been seeing and because mm. of some of the performances. So they've got a duty to build up that trust again and then we won't be watching games like that yesterday where we lose that foot goal to Motherwell and then we sit for 15 minutes terrified that we're going to throw away another two points. Mm. Um,
2: Dundee then on Wednesday night and Caroline, uh, look, it's a lower division team at Ibrox. We should beat them. End of story. I mean, that, that kind of is your analysis. But I think we all expect to see changes. So I think the more interesting thing is who are the players that you would expect and then further like to see come in and get a game Wednesday night and get the opportunity?
1: There are a few positions that we simply just have to. I don't think it's up for debate. Like Tav, for example, he's in desperate need of a break. So Divine coming in, is is a no-brainer. Um definitely the goalkeeping position will change who that's going to be remains to be seen. Um McCann I think as well. We've seen kind of him come in now and then. He's um I think he's looked good. I think he is still a little bit raw, but I think in a game like this against championship opposition, he can more than um more than kind of take a place in that midfield. I don't know if I'd make many changes beyond that for the starting lineup but I'd really like to think that we could put ourselves in a position maybe into the second half where we could make many more changes um you know having gone a few goals up might be a bit too much to ask for given our current form but it would be really nice to rest some players on top of that but I think those are the absolute key positions that we have to make changes to not just want to make changes to.
2: Yeah Colin I would echo McCann I think uh, I'd I'd like to see him come in and get a game tomorrow night uh, it's a shame if Lowry had been fit I think he would almost certainly have played but then further up the part Sakala who I think was incredibly unlucky to be dropped at the weekend and I'd like to see him come in at the side and uh, Morelos um, tomorrow or Wednesday night seems to be a, an ideal game for him to come in and, and get 70 minutes.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really funny, isn't it? Thinking about changing the team up for the League Cup and it's Morelos one of the ones coming in, isn't it? Mm. It's, it seems unimaginable in the years gone by. But yeah, for sure. I think you give Chulak the break, bring Morelos in, get him at least, as you say, 70 minutes. Get Sakala in. Um, as Caroline said, divine. Um, I'd love to see McCrory play the game. I don't think he will. I think it will be McLaughlin. Um, I remember I, was, I did the press conference the day that McCrory signed his new contract. And um, I asked the manager if there had been any conversations about game time in the Cups for him this season. The manager said no, there hadn't been any. Uh, He had his two. um, He said he had his number one, his number two, and he'd now got a new contract for his number three. So I'm not convinced we will see McCrory. I think it will be McLaughlin. Um, But I would love to see McCrory in that game for reasons we spoke about earlier in terms of goalkeeping shown us what he can do. He's played two matches, a European game and an Old Firm game. And he's got two clean sheets under hard circumstances. But it was only about the time you remember the majority of the team had COVID and um, the team was kind of huddled together and he managed to get, get us through those matches. So I'd love to see him, but don't think we will. But we know these cup competitions have been elusive for us in previous seasons, David. So we don't want to just make change for change's sake and maybe jeopardise anything because... I want to win all these cup competitions, I want to win everything, and we haven't done enough of it, that Scottish Cup was brilliant, and I want more days like that.
2: Well folks, that will do us this week on Heart and Hand, uh, of course well, for the free shows it will do us uh, up until Friday when Adam will return with Heart and Hand Extra, but if you want to catch up more and get the best coverage of everything Rangers, then go to our Patreon, it's patreon.com forward slash Heart and Hand, full coverage of the match on Wednesday night from iBrock. quarter past eight, kick off, please remember folks, and terms of making your plan it's an 8 15 kickoff caroline and i will be there in the press box very much looking forward to it Uh, my thanks then to our executive producers in london Lee and paul myers my thanks to all our sponsors and of course my thanks to the wonderful caroline
1: yep thank you david that was um good to chat to you
2: the brilliant Colin. absolute pleasure guys thank you and all of you guys for listening. We'll be back, as I say, on the flagship next Monday. Adam here with you later in the week, but jump over to Patreon. It's the best two quid a month you'll spend. Thanks for listening, folks. Talk to you again soon. Bye bye. <laughs>